Welcome to this brand new episode of the Marketing Technology Podcast. This podcast is hosted by Mark van Horek and myself, Elias Krum, and brought to you by Marketing Guys, the MarTech agency based out of the Netherlands. Welcome to this new episode of the Marketing Technology Podcast, on which I today have Tim Bucciarelli, who is the Senior Manager of Digital Operations at Iron Plane. Welcome, Tim. Could you introduce yourself and elaborate a little bit on your background? And I am going to ask about that cheese stuff that you did. Absolutely. It's a pleasure to be here. Pleasure to meet you. And um, a little bit of background about Iron Plane is we're an e-commerce agency specializing in Magento development, UX design, and e-commerce strategy. I've been working with them for just about two years, but I have about 16 years experience as an e-commerce manager in um, the specialty food industry with a focus on cheese. Yeah, I noticed. So I, I read your background and you've been like 16 to 20 years in all kinds of cheeses. And um, well, what was the reason for you to to end up in that food industry? Because before that, you were in IT as well, I guess. Yes, yes. So it's it's kind of a an ongoing back and forth in my life between technology and food. Mm-hmm. And um, previous to my work in specialty food, I was working in satellite telecommunications, working in uh, website development, and luckily. In a small business, you have an opportunity to wear many hats. So working with Formaggio Kitchen for that period of time in specialty food, I took on the role of managing their e-commerce efforts. And that allowed me to marry everything from the specialty food importing to the e-commerce platform selection to the digital marketing. Um, It was really a... um, wearing very many hats and having a lot of fun. I can imagine that it it, it does it will come as an advantage when you're a food lover in that business and you're also responsible for the for the for the e-commerce part of the business, right? Yes, and I feel like it really informs how I approach our clients at Iron Plane um, because I feel like I do have a deep understanding of the challenges from the operational side. Mm-hmm. as well as the um, customer service side. And um, I like to think that that, that helps um, me serve our customers better now at Iron Plane. Mm-hmm. So let's dive into that because um, the e-commerce business is is moving faster than ever. I probably COVID has helped there and, you know, everyone, everybody had to go online. Everybody had to open a, a an e-commerce brand if they shouldn't they have had had one before um you're specialized specifically in magento um before we dive into that uh, just a quick question has has your experience with magento been different since they were taken over by adobe um i would say our experience has not changed that much um It has been very interesting. And in fact, it's becoming more interesting uh, now and I think will be more interesting in the future. Adobe is taking some different approaches to their e-commerce platform in terms of integrating it with their experience platform. Mm -hmm. So it's wonderful to see Adobe's power and creativity driving that technology. 
At the same time, they are maintaining the open source community. So, you know, the origins of Magento was as an open source platform with a huge community of developers really invested in making the best e-commerce platform that they could. That continues today, and that's very much where Magento agencies play a critical role, where their developers are the ones who are responsible for building the best websites that are out there. Mm -hmm. Adobe can support it, and they can add a lot of their own creative suite functionality, but it really is the agencies who drive the success of the Magento sites out there today. So um, people and, and companies that are using Magento for their uh, e-commerce web shop um, typically have storefronts that um, have their own uh, design, their own UX. And you're a big UX guy. You, you think um, you explained to me in the little conversation that we had prior to this to this podcast that that um, everything is about UX. Could you explain to the audience why that is so important and why it's important to have your own uh, UX, which also is dedicated to your audience? Sure. I mean, it's it's a little bit of a, a little bit of a trick because UX is so broad. It's very easy to say UX should be considered first because it really considers everything. It considers the uh, physical connection between your product and your audience. It um, includes the messaging in your marketing. It includes the uh, design of your website and the uh, conversion points on your website. It includes your return process. It includes your customer service. So UX is such a broad term. I kind of think, like, of course, it should be the primary consideration. And you mentioned strategy, and I think those go hand in hand. Mm -hmm. So as you consider your customers, as you consider your products, and you fully understand the connection points there, then you start to think about the technology. Mm -hmm. And you mentioned um, Magento and how different businesses can customize it. And that's one of the most important things about Magento is the extent of customizability, I would say. Um, I like to think of it as, you know, when you think about Shopify um, and you think about um, Magento, these are two very large e-commerce and well-known e-commerce platforms. Mm -hmm. And you think about when you're um, looking to eat dinner and you have a few options. For example, in the U.S., you could order from Blue Apron or a number of different places where they send you a box and it has all of your ingredients Mm -hmm. It has your um, recipe guidelines and you just follow what it's written there and you have a meal at the end of it. Wonderful. That's Shopify. Then you have the shopping experience where you're going out and you're selecting all of your ingredients. You're bringing them home to your kitchen. You're crafting them there according to your own wishes, coming up with something perhaps uniquely creative and you have your dinner. And that's Magento. So I think that there's there's quite a stark difference between the two e-commerce platforms. And um, that's one of the reasons we've chosen Magento, because it is so easy to customize it to meet the very unique needs of our clients. So, so and, and I love what you're saying, because I, I love that analogy 
where you're where you're uh, making that analogy between shopping and and uh, homes and food and Shopify and, and Magento. Um, in practice, I've seen a lot of uh, shop owners uh, trying out stuff with Magento because it's open source as well. Um, they start playing around with it. In your analogy, they they buy some nice in- ingredients, put them in a pan, put them together, and you know put it on the table, and it, that's a nice meal. Um, you're basically saying uh, it's all about UX and about the usability of the website. Um, if that's key for success, um, I think listeners might want to know what ingredients should good UX have now. So what's what's some things that um, Magento owners have to look after when they are defining a UX strategy or a strategy to uh, to to build their shop and to differentiate from the zillion uh, outlets that that or competitors that are out there. Yeah, I think one of the things in my own personal experience and with some of our clients as well is trying to uh, translate the in-person experience to the online experience. So for us, it was specialty food. How do you convey the look, the smell, the flavor of the food uh, to a digital experience? You do that through great storytelling. You do that through wonderful photography. Um, For uh, a furniture manufacturer, how do you convey um, the variety of options that you offer to your digital uh, environment? So for example, one of our clients builds furniture, they have a lot of different options. And it was essential that we build in Magento, a product configurator for them. Mm-hmm. So you can choose the wood type, you can choose the stain color, you can choose the dimensions, you can then view that product with all of those specific um, components. So you get a realistic idea of what you're going to be receiving. So I guess that's a very simple uh, example of how you could use Magento to uh, help uh, a business succeed online um, by extending what they do in person. So when you're when you're um, building those configurators within uh, Magento, um, you're probably testing them. You're probably using technology to build those configurators can you share some insight as to what kind of technologies you're you're using there well um i guess for us the majority of what we're going to be doing is custom development within the magento environment so there are extensions but what we found is um unless you can really find an extension that meets the very specific needs of your client um Custom development is often more effective and efficient, um, specifically with the product configurators. However, there are technologies that can support that configuration. So for example, there are 3D technologies, there are AR technologies, and these technologies can again, really improve the experience of the customer and communicate the value of the product to them. So for example, you can imagine a 360 view of a product. You can turn it upside down. You can turn it sideways. Okay, that's one phase. Then you could maybe see that product 
in a static image so that you can get the relative size. So this table versus the, uh, the average height, seven foot ceiling or uh, next to a credenza or something. And then you can also imagine taking it to the next level where you allow your customer to take a photo of their dining room and to virtually put the table that you're trying to sell to them in their dining room and they can see exactly uh, the relative scale and the colors. So those are tools that um, you, can, you can find. So for example, there's 3Kit is one that we've used. There's another one called Zakeke, which um, is, um, also does some cool functionality with web to print. So mm -hmm. for engraving or monogramming or logo placement, um, these are the tools that can extend the custom configuration development that we do in Magento. Cool, cool. I want to know more about that that process that you're describing here because um, there are some configurators that you're describing, but it's all it's all about the way people are shopping. You also mentioned mentioned that example of um, food that has to be good looking. Um, how how does that creative process work? How do you define maybe together with your customer or the end user, the, the consumer that is buying the product, how do you define what's working? So I think we have to first come up with ideas about what we think will work. And so this is again, where we come back to the UX component, where we're doing the research into the customers, asking actual customers questions about how they shop, what are their preferences? How do they use the website? Is this configuration too complicated for them? Would they prefer fewer options, for example? Then you have some idea of what might work. And then you go ahead and you build it. And then you do your user testing after the fact. You might even do a prototype, or sometimes people will refer to it as an MVP. So you've got your minimum viable product. You've got your maybe pool of customers who can play around with it, and they can give you their feedback. And then you understand whether your hypothesis of what would be an effective tool, an effective configurator, is successful or not. And if not, how you can adjust it to make it more successful. Mm -hmm. At the end of the day, the customer is really the key, um, both in the research and in the testing. So um, I, I want to hear your take on this uh, regarding that testing. Um, I we in online marketing we we talk a lot about user testing or split URL testing A/B testing or, or whatsoever. In practice, however, if you're not a Priceline.com or Booking.com, a lot of shops, Magento shops included, I guess, don't have millions of visitors, like the number of visitors that others have. So, in reality, testing just is being done on a, on a couple of hundred visitors, which is not the way you want to test it because that's not the number of people that you need to have a, um, a, a basically significant test uh, that justifies a, a, a choice. So instead of um, doing that testing, um, uh, some marketers also uh, advise to use best practices done by others. So what's your take on that? Well, I think there's a difference between um, 
the user testing that I was describing of a product to inform product design. Mm -hmm. And I think that in theory, you would be selecting users who are already familiar with your brand. You're selecting users who are already familiar with the product. They've already engaged with you and purchased from you with some regularity. So I would put those people in a different category. And it's not necessarily that you're looking for statistically significant results from that pool. You're looking for insight from that pool, creative insight and actual customer experience insight from this. this it's like a, um, you know, you hire a consulting firm who has this experience and knowledge. Similarly, you're working with a pool of customers who have this experience and knowledge that is very valuable. Now, user testing, I agree. I mean, A-B testing just to a very broad audience of visitors to your website, for example, you have to have a minimum of uh, a certain volume in order to make the interactions statistically significant. Thousands. And then you divide by two or divide by three, you know, however many ABC you're going to do. And then you have even smaller pools. So I agree with you. It has to be statistically significant. And if it's not um, likely that you'll have that volume, then you might have to come up with different ways to run your tests um, with smaller pools of people who are a little bit more uh, connected to your brand, I guess. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, best practices or uh, maybe uh, what's done in the industry or whatsoever. So there's a lot available, but I just wanted to hear your, hear your take on it because I, I hear a lot of marketers talking about testing, et cetera, but you need to have a volume to, to have that statistical uh, number or significant number of people coming to your, uh, answer, answering your test. Or uh, That's not going to work with a couple of visitors. So you need thousands no, of visitors. No, and I think, again, I think, you know, the, the key is the research uh, at the very beginning. And when you're doing your research, you're engaging with your customers. Um, you know, businesses have existing customers. And for some reason, in my own experience, many businesses are also a little bit wary of reaching out to their customers to collect information from them, to help them improve their business, to help them improve their products, um, to help them evaluate, you know, new product launches or new website designs. And I think that's a real, that's a real shame. That's a miss your customers come to you because they like you. And most of the time, if you reach out to them, they're going to be willing to help you improve. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So that's some great info you shared there, Tim. Um, to to uh, conclude this interview, I'd like to hear some success stories from you. You've been with Iron Plane for, for two years now. So can you share some successes that the audience can learn from that you that you have encountered the last two years? Well, I think um, one success is as a business uh, in the B2B space ourselves as an agency, I think one um, success is that we're shifting our perspective on how we attract and engage uh, and convert our prospects into customers. So that's one success, I would say, where we're moving away from kind of old-fashioned outbound lead generation and moving more towards valuable content and demand generation. So very similar to how you chose to uh, 
launched this podcast, um, we are trying to create content of value um, that we make available to anyone in the e-commerce space to come and find us. That's one success, I would say. Mm -hmm. Then on the other front is the best success is when a client comes to us with a complex challenge. Uh, many times, unfortunately, they uh, were working with a Magento website that was poorly developed, and they come to us for what we call a Magento rescue. So some of our greatest and most satisfying uh, client experiences are where we help them realize the true value of a high-quality Magento website after they've lived through the frustration of a poorly developed Magento website. Those are, you know, both kind of very high-level general uh, stories of success. Mm -hmm. But I think um, they are good indications of um, uh, two different approaches: one for Magento and one for lead generation. Cool, cool. I love that uh, Magento rescue phrase. It makes me think of the of the Ghostbusters. So here, here, gonna call Iron Plane for <laughs> Magento that's right. rescue. Well, right? I don't know if we could use that tagline, but I, I think that's that's well, uh, that's why you're now. in marketing. That's a great idea. <laughs> I love it, but and, and actually, I've seen that in practice so often because that's the whole well, basically pitfall with Magento, right? So start developing, building stuff on top of stuff. And it's it's just a mess in the end. And, um, well, I, I love it. Uh, thank you very much, Tim, for, for being on the Marketing Technology Podcast. I'm going to share a link to your LinkedIn profile as well as a link to your website. And um, I love the conversation and I hope to have you back in the near future. Thank you very much. It was Tim. a pleasure talking with you. Thank you very much. And I enjoy your podcast. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Marketing Technology Podcast. If you enjoyed this podcast, please leave us a review on your favorite podcast platform or iTunes. Also, if you want to be a guest or know someone that should be a guest to our show, shoot me an email on e.crum at marketingguys.nl. Thank you for listening.